This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. So for this episode, which is kind of your your first official yeah, episode as full-time my, host. My debut, right? Yeah. My official debut. Your official debut. I'm a pro at this now, y'all. Yeah, it just takes one. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do kind of a check-in on feminism. Feminism. Yeah, what it means to be a feminist today, the F word. The F word, the, the dreaded F word. And this was your suggestion, Samantha. Um, you kind of wanted to, when I first came on, I did bad feminism right. um, because that's something I struggled with a lot. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but just feeling like I wasn't a good enough feminist. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll just check in. Yeah, I think it was important. Um, I was like, let's just kind of start the ball rolling again because, A, the definition changes. The uh, Not necessarily the main definition, but the outlook of it changes by generation, by generation, essentially. Um, and it's kind of baffling how even in this day and age, I have younger people, younger generations of mine, like in my family, who refuse to be called feminists, even though they're trying to work in fields that are pretty uh, sexist in, in general. And you're kind of like, wait, how do you not want to be known as a feminist in a culture that is going to use your sex against you? Mm-hmm. And I think I was like, we need to come back and have another revamping, another conversation again, not necessarily for our listeners, because most likely our listeners already understand and are on top of it. But there has become a whole new label of like, what is a white feminist, you know, mm-hmm. and what is a feminist who is an ally? Like, it's just a whole different labels now. Yeah. And especially with the fact that we have to be very, very specific. Yeah. And doing the research for this episode, I've found that a lot of people are kind of confused yeah. about um, where we are, where we are with feminism. So yeah, let's get into it. And first, you know, I love a dictionary definition. Yeah, give me that dictionary definition. All right. Feminism is, one, the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. Two, the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes, what I call the Beyonce definition. The Beyonce definition. <laughs> Three, the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. And four, the doctrine advocating social, political, and all other rights of women equal to those of men. I'm trying to figure out how any of those are really offensive. I I don't think they are. I think that, and we're, we're going to talk about this for sure, but I think that a lot of people, and data bears this out, 
say they want equality, right. but they don't want to be called a feminist. Right. It's such a bad word. I mean, come on. But I will say, I'm really excited to note that I had really hard conversation with my parents, but my dad was like, feminism, you just want equal rights, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm on board with that. And my parents are very conservative. Mm-hmm. And when my said, dad said that, I felt such triumph. Yeah, you should. I was like, all right, Dad, yeah, he's an ally, whether he wants to admit it or not. Right. But he seemed to understand pretty clearly this is the simplicity of it all. Yeah. I similarly recently witnessed um, my dad, who's he's very liberal, Uh um, but he got in, I wouldn't say a fight, but kind of a a heated discussion with his, oh, I don't even know how they're related, but (laughs) they're related somehow um, about, because this... I call him my my uncle. He was like, you'll make any man lucky any when you just got to settle down. And my dad was like, well, maybe she doesn't want to settle down. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I got to witness this whole thing, like, fight unfold about she doesn't need no man. I love that. <laughs> I love that. You're just an audience. And I'm like, yeah. all right, there's my good and there's the bad. Yeah. And they're just, or, the, you know, yeah, the antagonist, like a- <laughs> with the protagonist for me. Wonderful. A tennis match. It was funny because I've said before on the show that for a long time, my family was trying to mm-hmm. get me to settle down, and now they've sort of, you know, right. let any be any. I think eventually this day and age, and we'll talk about this later on in our episodes because I'll be around now, mm-hmm. um, is that they've understood that relationships and the definition of relationships and partnerships have changed. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not, it doesn't make my parents happy, I'll say it that way because I am also single and late late. 30s and don't have children and, and don't ha- desire to have children. Um, but my parents are like, but you're not in a relationship where you have to deal with a back and forth with a divorce. Mm-hmm. Or, you, know, you know what I mean? And yeah. so they're like, we're good. I'm going to let you be now. <laughs> as we're five, 10 years ago, as we talked about the first episode, yeah. are we failures? My mom was scared that I was going to die alone. Mm-hmm. She's now backed off as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Feminism. That's what I call feminism <laughs> right there. Progress. <laughs> Allowed to be single in our families without judgment. Yes. Progress. <laughs> um, and one thing, I found a, an article that I enjoyed from Forbes, but it was just kind of like, ask yourself these questions if, you're, if you don't want to call yourself a feminist. But um, the author of it, um, she emphasized that it's equality, not sameness. Right. Which is different. Right. And going back to bad feminism, I think a lot of people listening to this can connect with that because we all have those things that we like right. that are misogynistic. Um, we listen to music that we know is problematic. That's one of my favorite examples from Roxane Gay who right. wrote the book, Bad Feminism. Um, we use language and phrases we know we shouldn't. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very, very guilty of that. I will say sometimes I do feel like I'm owning those ling- like words or terms mm-hmm. by using it, but I've had that debate with people as well because I-, I have a potty mouth. It's just an automatic. It's kind of my rebellion from, like, middle school. I didn't do anything else. I didn't do drugs or anything, but I cursed <laughs> a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I still do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it is problematic when you start thinking about it and you have to watch yourself. Because you yeah. and I, like, being in this podcast, I've become oh, yes. hyper aware yes. of the fact that you need to watch what you say. Yeah. And it's important. And it, it should. It should hold you accountable. For um, sure. But to be under that kind of microscope, I'm like, oh, er, yeah. am I being a bad feminist? Yeah, I might be. Yeah, that was one of the first things when I was entering talks about would you host this was, no, I don't know. <laughs> it's all these really things. scary. <laughs> it can be. Quick aside, um, Lauren over at Saver, who's my, my co-host over there, um, she was telling me about this comic book where it's like a matriarchal society and they say father 
doctors instead of mother. Oh, I like that. I think we should keep that. <laughs> um, and our, our motto on this show is that we're always learning and growing together. But one thing, there are cases of like legit right. bad feminism. Right. For example, TERFs are trans-exclusionary right. radical feminists. And that's a back and forth that we've had to talk about because I know a prominent author made a statement and was very, very exclusionary. And, yeah, yeah. And you got it. Why? You know what I mean? We're all in this together at some point. Something else I think we all struggle with is having a lot of us have memories of not being a feminist or not being a good feminist. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, absolutely. I was raised to think that feminism was, uh, well, to put it bluntly, a sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and even a small conversation that I've had recently that was a conversation that feminism was the end of humanity and all oh, the wow. goodness. Like, yeah, and that yeah. it was a tool of Satan. Like, sure. That was actually quoted to me recently. Um, and it took me a bit of time to realize my own personality alone was in conflict with the misogynistic idea that men are the leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, my independence and my ability to raise myself essentially and survive made me think, why am I following you who are making decisions based on emotions. And I had so many, especially like in um, college, I had so many guys who were being put as leaders. And come on, we're in college. None of us are really great leaders. We may be loud and have some good plans. But it came down to, wait, you're basing yours on your emotion, more so than my I am, which I'm a little more rational in that back and forth of the empathy and trying to be in everybody's shoes, as well as the fact that I've had more world experience and understanding, you know, it's different things like that, that I'm like, why do I, why am I following you? (laughs) You should be following me. I'm like, I don't trust you. And not that I want people to follow me, but I don't choose to follow you. You know what I mean? And Mm. I think that's when it really hit. I'm like, oh, you yeah, went away to yeah. a liberal college oh, yeah. and became back a feminist. Actually, it wasn't actually that liberal. <laughs> is the University of Georgia liberal? Well, just college in general. College is, in general. Yeah. Now, my, my uh, actual major, social work, is very liberal yeah. for the most part. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, literally the <laughs> defining moments in college was like, yeah, I'm a feminist. Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. This is what's going down to because I don't need to come here and try to find a mate <laughs> Your MRS, as they call right. it. Um, and define myself in all the other normal standards that I was supposed to go through in the early, you know, late 90s or, uh, or the 80s. It was changing for me. So, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, but I really was not originally a feminist. No. Yeah, I wasn't either. And I... I, th- I mean, I didn't really know. I I had the same associations that a lot of people have, which is why they don't want to call themselves a feminist, is that it meant, like, you didn't shave and right. all those kinds of ridiculous things. Right. Um, and for a long time, feminism hasn't been intersectional. It's been classist and ableist and white. Yeah, and I know it's been previously discussed. When we look at the history of feminist activism, we have to continue to credit many women of color as being the pioneers of the fight. And I think for a little while, they were kind of just erased yeah. um, as people who were making history and making changes. And women like Sojourner Truth, Ida B. Wells, Shirley Chisholm, Dolores Huerta, and organizations like the Mississippi Labor Union, which was created in 1866 by black women, who was the first labor union in that state. I mean, wow. they yeah, they should be celebrated even more and, and be recognized for what they've done for feminism in itself. I mean, at this time, I think uh, slavery was had finally ended, 
and they came together, and it was all black women. I think they were um, laundry women. I don't know what laundresses is that a um, thing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. They did laundry. Okay. <laughs> so that. But it was a union together because they were not being paid well, and it, it worked. And it was the beginning of other unions. There was one in Atlanta as well, um, and that created some change. And mm-hmm. it was made up of black women. Let's just be very clear. It was made up of black women mm-hmm. who pioneered these things even before. And then we have to talk about the whole back and forth with the suffragette movement yeah. and how exclusive they were. Um, even to the point that they were taking down black men for having votes before them. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the things that was said, it was just really horrifying and exclusionary. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say something also horrifying is when I was researching this, I well, I got really disheartened right. with all the top results because, I mean, like the first two were, you know, feminism, yay. Right. But the rest of them were all like anti-feminist, um, women against feminism, right. minimist. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, Meninist, I still can't. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah, why, y'all? I love the Parks and Rec, though, episode. I don't know. Did you watch Parks and Rec? I did, yeah. Yeah. And the last, like, couple, I think it's the last season in which the Meninist come and fight for um, Ben. Because uh-huh. he's like, let Ben speak. And she's like, I just let him speak. And he's like, oh, okay, we, we just rode our bikes here. And it was just like a whole like <laughs> comical of like, calm down. Like right. you want to talk about being enraged. This is one of those moments about being a, like a snowflake, as you can say. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. dreaded snowflakes. Um, we have some more for you listeners. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have those stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. 
Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So one of the things um, when I mentioned at the top, there's seems to be some confusion. Right. One of the areas of confusion around feminism right now is has to do with what wave are right. we in. Right. And just really quickly, the use of waves to describe feminism is a little misleading um, because it suggests that feminism is a monolith and that these monoliths crest and fall at clear points, which is not the case. Right. It's also confusing because waves took place at different times around the world, so sometimes in different orders, like second-wave feminism in America is equivalent to third-wave in Europe, things (laughs) like that. Um, So according to a lot of folks, modern feminism is not in the fourth wave. Like, there's no wave. It's just intersectional feminism right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a continuation of the third wave. There are a couple of things that are cornerstones of intersectional, this third-slash-fourth wave of feminism. Um, Queerness body and sex positivity, and trans inclusivity. Right. And another important aspect of it is that a lot of it takes place online, like hashtag me too, or, um, or it's conceived online, right. like the Women's March. Right. Mm-hmm. It's also largely concerned with justice for women and other marginalized groups. And I, in 2014, uh, some internet trolls tried to launch a uh, fourth wave of feminism that was pro-sexualization, Pro-skinny and anti-fat. Really? Yeah. Were they men, these roles? Or was it done I by women? I would assume, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure, probably. I mean, the big back and forth about the pro-skinny, anti-fat has been a thing back and forth for a little while. Um, the whole gap challenge and all of that. I know that happened like three years ago. Is that right? Yeah. And it was just a whole like back and forth. And it's really sad more than anything else. But, huh. And I know it was a lot of young teenage girls yeah. that was coming onto that. So I just wondered if it was actually created by men Ugh. or not. Well, I don't know. I, I think we did an episode on that forever ago. And I said I would have totally done that. I was not in a, again, bad fit. <laughs> right. And it's, that has everything to do with, once again, self-esteem. Yeah. And self-worth. Yeah. And that trickles down to so many things. And I will say, like, as a bad feminist, I remember being in middle school and saying to my family that I would follow my husband or follow my father because I trust you. Why wouldn't I? That's what women do. And thinking about that, that that's so embarrassing. Yeah. It kind of makes me choke a little bit. Like, I'm (laughs) like, oh. Yeah. Um, Because that's what we think is loyalty. Mm-hmm. and not trusting ourselves in our own opinions. And don't get me wrong, I have a really great relationship with my father. He's a good man, and I do trust him. But there's a difference between talking things through mm-hmm. and trusting and sure. just being, like, blindly following. Right. So, yeah. Um, another thing we wanted to put in here is feminism around the world because it it does happen at different times, different places, in different ways. Um, and I feel like Western feminism largely forgets that there are feminism. Wait, like, <laughs> there's things outside of the U.S. that happen? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What? Um, so, for instance, after Me Too in the U.S., similar hashtags went viral around the world in India, China, Spain, Italy, France, Canada, Pakistan, the Philippines. Um, and then we wanted to briefly touch on... Right, femicide. And um, I think it's something important that we don't talk about enough and people don't understand enough. And when I've brought this term up, people don't actually know what I am talking about. So according to the uh, stopviolence.org slash 
femicide, the term originating in the 1970s, emerging in feminist scholarship to distinguish the gender-motivated killings of women rooted in discrimination and systematic violence from homicides generally. And in about the early 1990s, kind of shifted to the killing of women by men motivated by hate, contempt, pleasure, or the assumption of ownership of women. Um, and then it continued to expand to the misogynistic killing of women by men. So it kind of, kind of simplified into this is what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the definition of femicide has changed throughout the last 50 years since it was first originated. Um, and this just demonstrate an attempt to find a term to cover all gender-related killings of women, and it's mo- motivated by systematic discrimination against and devaluing of women and girls. So that's the whole idea is they're killing because you are female or identify as female, and therefore you don't deserve A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Um, and it recently it's been talked about in relations to deaths due to partner violence. And, I, and that's something that I'm, you, know, you and I talked about, I'm very passionate about, mm-hmm. in discussing about partner violence, domestic violence. And according to the CDC, in 2017, more than 55% of the female-related deaths were related to partner violence. Wow. Right. And you hear about it more and more every day. Um, and while these include the killing of women and girls as a result of domestic violence, the holistic conception of femicide um, includes crimes such as dowry-related killings, so-called honor killings, which is still happening, female infanticide, and increased maternal mortality resulting from harmful practices. And we could link that to today's discussion about abortion laws and abortion bans because obviously this is a big concern mm-hmm. of what these laws are indicating and what could result is more maternal deaths. Um, and we already know people of color, uh, black women, are more likely to die from the lack of health care and from the lack of um, medical attention. So this is really, really problematic. And so the discussion of femicide is, are we <laughs> enabling them more and more? Mm-hmm. And this is, again, I think why I get really passionate when we talk about feminism as a need. Mm-hmm. And it should be called feminism. It needs a label. It needs a title because it's too big to just generalize. Mm-hmm. Although feminism could, could be generalized in whatever. But the fact that it it causes enough of a um, reaction. Yeah. That's what we need. That's what we, needs to happen. hmm This, whatever wave or fe- right. intersectional feminism time period that we're in right. <laughs> um, has had some, like, cornerstone. Cornerstone is not the right word. Like, key events. Key events. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Everyday Sexism Project, um, The Slut Walk, mm-hmm. Me Too, Time's Up, Yes, All Women, um, Emma Watson's He for She UN campaign, one billion rising and the the woman's march. Right. But it does have some problems. Um call out culture is one thing just because it can make the movement uh, appear hostile. Right. And it sometimes it is hostile and it can keep potential allies away or silent and this isn't to say something shouldn't be called out if it's wrong. Right. But it is something that I think I mean I hardly ever tweet because I'm like, what if people what? could read this in a right. way? And it's such such a like, I petted a cat today. I'm like, oh God. Right. I mean, the whole, <laughs> I think, and I know that was a conversation about uh, social media warrior. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's good that we do call each other out, but it becomes so hostile that it becomes uh, feminist versus feminist. Yeah. Or even to the point that when people are called out and hopefully they're done it in a, a the correct manner, let's say. Um, that they get defensive. Sure. And it becomes a whole, well, this is your fault, this is your fault. Right. Um, and then you kind of look at the same fact as, it's writing. So writing seems impersonal anyway. 
So like if I don't have 10,000 happy face emojis or wink something, it feels hostile. You know what I mean? <laughs> Social media is so Social, strange. But it's, that's the problem. It's like you don't, doing a text back and forth, there's so much leeway from miscommunication and sure. misunderstanding. Uh, one misquote is just can take you down completely. Sure. And again, it should be something that is corrected, but there's such a, like a, a pitchfork and fire type of I'm coming after you mentality sometimes that it gets really problematic um, and almost disheartening and dangerous to a certain extent. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of a complex nuance thing actually, but you know, there's just been examples of people, the wrong people getting called out and right. like having their lives ruined. Right. So it's just something to be... I mean, actually that just happened recently where an author who is a person of color, I believe, um, called out a trans transit employee for eating and almost got her fired. So people went after her and she lost a book deal. Like it was, I think over this weekend that happened. Wow. And it gets intense. You got to yeah. be careful. Yeah. Um, something kind of related, it's slacktivism. Since a lot of this does take place online, um, you know, slacktivism, taking pictures and like, look at me volunteering right. or doing this feminist thing. Um and that also kind of relates to the whole, what is that called? Uh, commercialization mm-hmm. of feminism. Mm-hmm. So companies being like, aha, we can make money off of this, right. which is kind of antithetical to feminism right. in a way. Right. Um, and also technology that because it uh, it's dependent, it's dependent on technology, it impacts who can participate. Right. And exacerbates the classism and ableism because yeah. who can afford the technology, who can who has the time, right? Um, who can use it? Right. So that that's a concern. And um, another criticism I've seen is celebrities being at the forefront of a lot of the public perception or understanding of feminism, which means mainstream feminism is affluent and white again, right. classist um, and white. And you and I talked about this earlier about Alyssa Milano bit this weekend when it was a sex strike, and I was like, what's happening? And there's been a lot of controversy back and forth on her and how it is ableist and it is um, very much heteronormative ideas um, with white people. <laughs> it's like white feminism. This is what we were <laughs> right, talking right. about and how it's problematic and exclusionary for many others. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you should definitely try. For me, I'm a little confused. <laughs> you should definitely try to not have sex. I, I mean, like if that's something you're <laughs> passionate about, I guess, oh, okay. go for it. But I mean, huh? But that's just me. That's just me. Uh-huh. Well, sure, I'm going to get some conversations on that one. <laughs> and this, I don't think this will surprise anyone listening, but this whatever wave of intersectional feminism that we're in has inspired a lot of backlash. Right. A lot, a lot. And a lot of it online, again. Yes. Um, so, like, Gamergate is a great example. Incels, we're going to be talking about incels. Right. Um, the MRA. They're fantastic. Things, <laughs> things like that. And... This kind of brings us to a question is why are people afraid of feminism? Right. In 2018, a UK YouGov survey found that 34% of women said yes when asked if they were feminists, which is up slightly compared to recent years. Five other countries polled in Europe fared similarly among men and women. Only 8% identified as feminist in Germany. Um, But the same study found that a much higher number agreed that women and men weren't equal and that they should be. Um, And that sexism is still an issue. I think that's harder 
to to deny. Like right. I think and on a survey, if you see men and women deserve to be equal, I think it's easier to say yes. Right, right. <laughs> than just the one term of feminism. Right. Um, and it, it does suggest that it is the word itself that people are rejecting. Right. In the US in 2016, two-thirds of the 27,000 people surveyed said that they believed in gender equality. Women in the working class are less likely to identify as feminist, and 60% of women surveyed said it hasn't done much for women of color, pointing to that classist white thing that we've been talking about. And honestly, I think the the rejection of the word feminism, the fear of it, has just been very successful marketing. It really has. Yeah, and we've all heard it before. A feminist is an angry man-hating, raw-burning, and that never even happened, um, ugly lesbian. So, oh, hey, homophobia, too. Um, Who doesn't wear makeup and doesn't shave her legs. How are these things bad? I mean, like the man-hating, I get, um, but anger can serve a purpose. And you know what? I can go without a bra. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. I'm taking that thing off immediately, throwing it across the way, and just letting loose. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I don't shave my legs. I don't have to, though. I don't really grow a lot of hair, but, like, nope, not going to do it. I mean, it's up to you. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you don't want to shave your legs, don't shave your legs. Right. Like, I'm just like, I I don't understand why these are bad things, especially for women. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) When interviewed, many people in the survey said that they didn't believe this stereotype, but they didn't want to be associated with the stereotype. Right. And they often also do a Seinfeld. Not that there's anything wrong with that right. uh, when it comes to the association with right. lesbianism. And we've talked about this before, but another part of this fear around the word feminism um, is our societal fear and punishment of ambitious women. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of in general the whole uh, misogynistic talk and tone within offices, within corporations, um, the whole idea of a woman being threatening mm-hmm. if she's successful yeah. or if she's assertive. Um, but again, I don't understand why that's a bad thing either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a bad thing for certain people or they perceive it to be because they see it as a fear of changing the status quo. Right. Um, men losing power. Right. Changing traditions, um, destroying the nuclear family and the very fabric of our society. I read that in multiple places. (laughs) The nuclear family is so successful. Oof. Um... And then I, I also think for for a lot of people, there is that fear that I talked about, the fear of not being good enough right. to be to call yourself a feminist or right. um, guilt about things that you, you like and you know you shouldn't. And you, fear, you feel like if you say you're a feminist, that means you have to get rid of those things. Right. Or maybe even this whole wave monolith narrative, um, people who don't agree with the feminists they know on certain points may think that means they aren't feminist. Right. But yeah, we we're not a we don't all agree on like seems, every single right, issue. It seems so hard and cut. Nothing else in life is like that. But yet this has to be like you better be one way or the other or you're just not. Yeah. You're excluded completely. Like I know we definitely had some um of our listeners write in talking about how they enjoy this or they enjoy um tradition like this and you know the wedding wedding and performances and changing your last name and all that has yeah. been a big like back and forth and big conversation mm-hmm. of what it represents to being tradition to you know all of those things. And no one's really wrong. And I think that's part of the thing that we also need to talk about is feminism in itself. If a woman enjoys something and you just think it's a part of her right, and as long as it's not like, and I guess it's maybe too generic to say, but it's not, it does not um, 
prohibit anyone else's uh, rights and happiness. Why is that wrong? Does that make sense? I, I mean, and again, this is a very generalized statement, and I know people are going to be like, what? But for those who enjoy being at home with their children, it's their right. You know yeah. what I mean? For those who want to be at work and allow their children to be at a preschool, it's their right. Um, for those who don't want children, it's their right. Mm-hmm. And for those who are trying to have children and are doing different avenues of it, why isn't that okay? Now, there's also the back and forth conversation about, and I'm just obviously picking in on the women and, and children and the lifestyles as of, you know, this this time and age. But that's the problem is like there, there's people who are so cut and dry. It's like, if you're doing this, then you're doing it wrong. Right. And that's that's problematic in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, we have a lot of conversations to be had. Yes. Um, but for now, we have a little bit more for you. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So we wanted to end with the question of why we still need feminism because I've seen, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen, well, men and women are equal now, so I don't know why we still do this. Well, it's not true, but yeah, we still aren't equal. Uh, we don't make the same pay, the same work. 
We still tell girls that their value is in their looks and their sexual desirability to men. Um, and we do that all kinds of ways through our media, through our clothes, the toys we market to girls that for a long time have revolved around motherhood and domestic life. Um, we can't walk around the streets expecting the same level of safety or comfort or even just, yeah, just being left alone. Right. right? I Every time I leave. The, the same damn st- standards of the fact that it, what you wear, mm-hmm. it causes whatever reactions from men and it's your fault. I mean, we talk about in the schools and the dress codes is absurd and it goes after girls in general because they're distracting to boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sexism hurts everybody. I just, it just doesn't make sense. But then, yeah, and that goes back to the fact that it also prohibits the men, male gender, to not be able to show emotion, to not be able to like dolls, to not be able to stay at home. You know, like things like yeah. that. It, it does hurt everyone. It does. it does. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have the same opportunities and despite being 50% of the population, we don't see that reflected in our top positions or in our media entertainment. I mean, we can't find outfits to go to space. Weird. Strange. Um, the fact that Me Too exists at all. Um, and the fact that we still have to justify why it has to exist. Right. Both of those things. <laughs> right. Um, we don't have control over our own body when it comes to law and policies. Still having to fight for it. Yep. Um, we don't have accessible child care or maternity leave in this country, and we're still expected to do the caring, the cleaning, even though we have jobs. I mean, we could go on and on. There's still right. a lot to tackle. I mean, there's a lot to tackle, but there's a lot to, um, again, kind of how we talked about in the trauma. We have to change people's way of thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's enough of us who, even for myself, some of the way I think, I'm like, oh, what am I, what am I doing? You know, because in my, in my own nature, once again— um, I'm a caretaker, mm-hmm. and whether it's me being a social worker and caring for others, or again, I talk about my apartment complex with my small group of neighbors. I'm the mom in that group, and I have to make sure everybody's okay, everybody's fed. Um, I also struggle with the fact that I sacrifice my own self for that because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do as a caretaker, as a woman, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird mindset to come through, but that's what I was raised as as well. Yeah, Like my mother would not eat. Until my dad had all his stuff. Oh, wow. And she would stop in the middle of her meals if he needed a second plate, and she would go get it for him. That reminds me of a Christmas story, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. And I remember getting really angry. Now, yeah. But it wasn't necessarily that he expected it. It was just done. Right. Because it, it was just, yeah. Yeah, that was how, yeah, my it, mom uh, used to They were the nuclear family. Thing, yeah. Yeah, I t- in my episode on bad feminism, my well, it was kind of my intro episode. Right. It was um, your episode. It wasn't mine. <laughs> I said in there that I used to make cookies for the office, and then I started working on the show, and I was questioning everything. Like, what does this mean about me? <laughs> I just like baking. But then right. it became this thing that I was examining. What right. does it say about me? What do people think when I bring right. in cookies? It's hard. I mean, and even to the point now, um, when I'm with people, my friends and such, I like paying for people. I want them to come out with me, so I bribe them to come yeah. out with me. Um, yeah. And I know I've had some issues with men who are like, what? No, you don't pay that. I do that. And I'm like, what? No, it's not a big deal. I want to pay because I invited you, you know, stuff like that. And then that goes back and forth, the whole date, who pays and who doesn't. But it is a whole different mindset. You really start rethinking everything. And I love some hip-hop, you and I know this. But, like, a lot of the hip-hop is obviously very, very misogynistic and girl against girl. Like, like, I love some Nicki Minaj, love her. But she really does compete with other women a lot of the times. And you're kind of like, what? Why? Y'all are all awesome. (laughs) <laughs> you and Cardi B are great. Be friends. <laughs> Why can't 
we all be friends? Why can't we all be friends? And yeah, and just once again trying to unpack the fact that feminism is not a dirty word. You know what I mean? Like it just, just seeing people's reaction to that word alone is still shocking to me. And you would think, you would hope, but you're right. Like um, the conservative radio, people who Men, like people who are afraid of women essentially have have done a good job in trashing this word as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, for myself, I have a, I come from a small conservative town and a lot of my friends um, who have very conservative parents but have become liberal as they've kind of gotten older um, and they still hesitate to call themselves feminists even though I'm like, no, you, you are. Right. But they're like afraid of the war. They're afraid of what, how people will view them right. when they I label mean, themselves that way. I still remember in college having a discussion with a friend of mine, and she was like, I just don't like it with that. I don't, want, I don't want people to think I'm like that, you know, I, I'm whatever. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know you, can't come, you couldn't have come to college without feminism. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be here alone. You know, like I was trying to explain all the minute things. I'm like, you understand you're able to wear whatever you want because of feminism. Like, you understand you're able to vote because of feminism, and it's just kind of they—they they were just yeah. like, oh, well, I mean, you know, you know what I mean. I'm like, no, I really, I really don't. <laughs> yes, explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's about where we are right. uh, with our that's check-in. That's a lot of generalizations in there with the added subjects and such. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing is it's not a monolith, right? Um, so we would love to hear from from you listeners what what your brand of feminism is and what right. it means to you. And if you'd like to email us, you can. We have a new email. But if uh, you send it to the old email, it'll still still come to us. One of our um, listeners on Instagram was like, this is not as catchy as you think. <laughs> what? <laughs> I never said it was catchy. <laughs> it is stuff media mom stuff at iheartmedia.com. You know what? We could make it catchy. There's some kind of tune Do you want me there. to sing to it? No. Well? Never mind. Um, Move on. That was that was some cold rejection right there. <laughs> um, you can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer Andrew Howard, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Gold Club was the top strip club in Atlanta in the 1990s, with patrons like Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Madonna, the King of Sweden. But in 2001, the club was put on trial with charges of prostitution, extortion, credit card fraud, racketeering, and an affiliation with the mob. I'm journalist Christina Lee, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of the Gold Club scandal, from the booty and bubbly to the deceit and courtroom drama. Listen to Racket Inside the Gold Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. 
Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.